There was post-midnight revelry in those first moments of a new year at the sprawling encampments near the Standing Rock Sioux Indian Reservation. Dozens of water protectors gathered at a place known as Turtle Island, the bluff leading directly to the active drill pad of the Dakota Access Pipeline. Despite an early December decision by the Department of Army stalling construction of the contested energy project, Morton County Sheriff's deputies continue to stand guard. Meantime, as many as a thousand water protectors remain camped out along the Missouri and Cannonball Rivers in freezing temperatures and near record snowfall. Hello, and welcome to Still Here. Modern stories of resilience indigenously told. I'm your host, Jenny Monet. I first want to thank some of the early adopters of this show. I made an earnest attempt to get this podcast off the ground last fall, and then Standing Rock happened. I probably made five trips to the North Dakota Prairie between September and December. Reporting and writing for several clients, there really wasn't much time for anything else. But in December, I decided to embed myself out here at Standing Rock, where at the moment, it's a chilly minus seven degrees. And I'm here because this pipeline fight is far from over. In fact, some would say that it's about to get real. In this episode of Still Here, I take a closer look at some of the new challenges being presented at the start of a new year for the water protectors, for the Standing Rock tribe, and for a new North Dakota governor who on day one came out in favor of the Dakota Access Pipeline. In this final week before Donald J. Trump takes the presidential oath of office, there are other concerns that could sway the direction of the pipeline struggle. Right now, the focus is on mother nature, There's fear of massive and dangerous flooding where the water protectors remain. One of those living in the known floodplain is a young man I first met in mid-October. My name is uh, O'Shea Gray Eyes. I am Dene in Cherokee. I was supposed to be out here for like two days, but I've been here for like five, four months. (laughs) I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but I'm really thankful I'm out here. I'm just going to say we're sitting here in the lobby of the Prairie Nights Casino and Resort. They call this the fifth camp, so to speak, right? Yeah, fifth camp. It's where you come to shower. Did you get your shower? Yes, I did. I haven't showered in like a week and a half. And I finally got to shower last night. It was nice. (laughs) Tell me about the situation at camp right now. It's really empty. The camp is pretty empty, but there's, I mean, like... The people who are really down for the cause and who really stick to their words and actions stayed at the camp. Are you worried that once Trump's in office that the pipeline's going to be bored into the ground and somebody passionate about this will get hurt, if not fatally injured? Yeah, I'm pretty worried about that. I mean, uh, violence is not the answer, but uh, I don't really see this whole thing coming out to being peaceful at the end. I mean, we all are here in prayer and ceremony, but at the end, it's gonna get pretty hectic and rough. O'Shea Gray Eyes, one of about a thousand water protectors who remain living at the Ocheti Shikoe camp near the Standing Rock Reservation. For subscribers of Still Here, there's more to come. That camp will likely flood in early March. The deep freeze at Standing Rock, 
but for how long? The story after the break. And if you're listening to this preview episode on your tribal or community radio dial and want to hear more, please subscribe wherever you shop for podcasts or find a link at our website at stillherepodcast.com. Still Here is a listener-supported production written, produced, and edited by myself and distributed in part by Native Voice One, the Native American radio service. I'm Jenny Monet. Thanks for listening. The goal is to deliver a new episode every other week, so find us on social media and stay tuned. And until next time, stay strong and resilient. Still Here is sponsored by Agency Mabu, a creative and talented team of marketing pros helping you brand your business in a way your target audience will love. Mabu can design awesome logos like ours and so much more. Agency Mabu, marketing and advertising and business unlimited. Mabu, marketing good works. Welcome back to Still Here, modern stories of resilience indigenously told. I'm Jenny Monet. In this episode, a dispatch from Standing Rock, where the tribe is once again asking on remaining water protectors to leave the network of camps that help swell a movement. Spring flooding is the big concern, but some campers aren't convinced. And this one here, oops. Jeff Kelly's smartphone was inches away from his nose as he I swiped and tapped at his screen in search of a certain photo. This one will be where the Rosebud camp is. The director of the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe's Game and Fish Department, Kelly sat behind a large L-shaped desk cluttered with papers and notebooks. He turned his phone horizontally and pointed out the area now known as the Rosebud Camp, one of several communities that grew from the spontaneous movement to try and stop a black snake, the Dakota Access Pipeline. Where this the rose, but yeah. it all in, in water right here. Mm-hmm. You could see the main channel of the cannonball there. Mm-hmm. Kelly was still looking at the grainy photo he'd captured of the massive flood in 2013. From the image, only a faint dirt road and its position south of the bridge over the Cannonball River gave any reference to the site where rows of teepees and army green tents still stood in the North Dakota winter. So that could be dangerous. Yeah, it's going to be. And I know with the snow, there's a lot of tents down there yet, you know, underneath snow. That's all going to be in the river. With record snowfall forecast for the region, Kelly is among a growing number of local officials who are calling on the estimated thousand people remaining at the encampments to clean up and evacuate lands managed by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers before the snow begins to melt. As campers, regarded as water protectors, resolve to stay and fight, tribal leaders say their continued presence now threatens community resources and statewide relations. We made noise around the world for Indian country. And it's beautiful. Greatest thing that I've ever seen. For that benefit, there's a cost. And it's costing our membership. And that's what people don't understand. That's Standing Rock Sioux Tribal Chairman Dave Archambault II. He held a meeting with water protectors on January 5th, urging them to start planning a cleanup and evacuation strategy. If we want to protect this water, we need to make sure that everything in the floodplain is off. I know what's coming. Since midsummer, thousands of people have been living in teepees, tents, RVs, even tiny houses at the confluence of the Cannonball and Missouri rivers. There's now growing concern that human waste, abandoned cars, buried debris, 
could all be swept into the very waterway that campers have vowed to protect. And we could, you know, ironically be creating uh, you know, an ecological water issue in a place where there was none. Uh, I met up with North Dakota's new governor, Doug Burgum, during a week of inaugural festivities held in Bismarck, including a luncheon with the state's tribal leaders. Whether we are brown-skinned or white-skinned, we have differences. Absent was Chairman Archambault, who said he was meeting with camp organizers about the cleanup process. I support the legal completion of this pipeline. Make no mistake, this infrastructure is good for our economy. Burgum, who publicly supported the Dakota Access Pipeline in mid-December, said he wanted to see the camps cleared out by no later than March 1st. And he expressed concern about the scenario, if floodwaters should come and campers should remain. The group that we call on to help when we're flood fighting is our National Guard. And I think you can appreciate, given the current situation we're in, uh, you know, the optics of that might be confusing to people. In his State of the State address, held the day before, Burgum told lawmakers the Dakota Access Pipeline controversy had frayed relations with North Dakota tribes and would take time to repair. This is not an issue that will simply go away after the pipeline is completed. Trust has been eroded, and it will take time, effort, and leadership to rebuild. Since confrontations between police and the protectors began in August, the Morton County Sheriff's Department has made 585 arrests, including five people detained just days before the new year. But at the luncheon, where dozens of state agency leaders were present, Bergen pledged a fresh start with tribal nations. He even got teary-eyed when discussing the lopsided rate of youth suicide that plagues so many of the state's reservations. We have got to take these issues seriously because we cannot have uh, that kind of difference within our own borders. I'll be straight up with you. Um, I'm greatly impressed. Chairman Mike Fox of the Mandan, Hidatsa, and Arikara Nation said he appreciated what he described as strong and open communication from the new governor. And I truly believe that that where we're heading now, if we would have had that in place a year or two ago, Uh, that we could have avoided much of what has happened down there. The tribal leader was referencing a breakdown in dialogue between Standing Rock, the state, and energy company officials. I mean, even the conversation about alternative routes. I mean, those things could have happened. For Standing Rock's part, the focus is also on renewing relations with the state in an effort to remove long-standing roadblocks along Highway 1806. The main artery serves as a link between the reservation and nearby Mandan and Bismarck, about 40 miles north. Chairman Archambault blames the blockades for lost revenue at the Prairie Nights Casino and Resort, the tribe's largest employer. He didn't disclose a figure behind the shortfall, but he said the loss was significant, enough to impact tribal programs for children and elders on the reservation. And to make up for that deficit, the tribe voted to dip into its millions of dollars of donations raised from the movement. It is a significant amount, and when those costs are reduced, the services that were rendered to our membership, to our children, to our elders, are, are spent and, and taken away, so we pay that cost. Standing Rock straddles North and South Dakota, where its tribal members live in two of the poorest counties in the country, Sioux County and Corson County. Just days after I spoke with Arshimbo, a 32-year-old tribal member, a woman, reportedly froze to death in a home without heat on the reservation. How you doing? 
In the early morning hours of Friday, January 6th, dozens of people approached the backwater bridge blockade at the edge of the Ocheti Shikoe camp. Hello! Hello! Video of the incident showed at least one individual cutting at the coil of razor wire laced against long concrete blocks barricading the crossing. Let's make killers! Water protectors hate that blockade. It originated from a militarized sweep on the prairie in late October. Two vehicles were set ablaze, and state officials shut it down until safety tests could be conducted. On Thursday, January 12th, test results showed the bridge was structurally sound. It could be reopened, said the governor, but only if water protectors practiced restraint from attempting to reach the pipeline drill pad up the road. Archambault expressed concern. By this casino, by the roadblock being there, by actions taking place that um, prevent uh, the roadblock from opening, uh, it impacts our individual memberships, and that's a huge cost. That is uh, part of this fight, part of this movement. jams are pretty wild. Back at the Standing Rock Game and Fish office, Jeff Kelly told me about some of the worst cases of flooding to rush the area rivers. Each year, a main concern, he said, is a different bridge, the one over the Cannonball River. But like when the bridge stops the ice, eventually it builds up all the way down. Ice jams start to stack up, Kelly told me. Boulder-sized glaciers, some as large as four to five feet in size. That's when he said the river starts to spill out over onto the very lands where the water protectors are camped out. Um, we need, you know, uh, numbers, you know, strength in numbers. 37-year-old Nicholas Wagner was wrangling with the flood warnings. The Yaqui man from Riverside, California, arrived at Standing Rock in September. He said he was organizing a mass demonstration to take place on Valentine's Day called the March of Love and Peace. As a march to the drill pad, shut it down by uh, setting up occupation there. He gestured towards the bluff where beaming lights shine down on the pipeline construction site. Yeah, for, from there, we'll, we'll see uh, what the uh, authorities do with them, that, that uh, many people, because you know, the world is watching. His final statement, a deliberate latching on to the groundswell of support shown in early December when an estimated 14,000 people had descended at Standing Rock. On the Facebook page, advertising the march was an image of a black snake. It was a symbol Archambault said had become emblematic of the larger conflict. I see pictures with a black snake and a head cut off. Again, Archambault to campers inside council chambers. What we should show is the, the hundred snakes behind it that are coming. The oil industry is the fight, not the pipeline, not the one snake. The tribal leader's comments were added discouragement from growing the movement any further, least of all when it comes to putting lives on the line. But for invested water protectors like Wagner, who've been enduring the deep freeze of winter, it was a message that so far wasn't getting through. It's, it's dangerous out here. You know what I mean? My hands are freezing right now. But 
this is this is this is what it's all about. The struggle, man. Wagner talked to me as he stood in line waiting to fill four small propane tanks that would last him for the week. He shoved his hands deep into the pockets of his oversized coat and shifted his weight on packed snow. Then he said what Arshimbo perhaps wanted to hear least of all. We're gonna do everything we can to stop him. You know, it's not over. You've been listening to Still Here, Modern Stories of Resilience, Indigenously Told. I'm Jenny Monet. This episode was written and produced by myself and was adapted from an article for Indian Country Today. You can find the link to the story on the website at stillherepodcast.com, along with other music credits, links to videos, and ways to sign up for the newsletter. If you like what you've heard, please consider donating. There's a big pink button on the upper right-hand side of the website. All proceeds go to support reporting for this show. And if you make a contribution of $100 or more, I'll personally thank you on the next episode. You can also use words to show your support. Leave a review on iTunes. It helps. And it makes the show visible to others shopping around for podcasts. Or be bold. Send me a voice memo about what it means to be still here. Maybe you're feeling that resilient vibe from these beautiful lands here at Standing Rock. Send your comments. We may feature them on the podcast. And thanks for listening. Stay strong and resilient. And see you next time on Still Here. Thank you.